Lord, thanks for your uh, word tonight. Thank you for utterance tonight in Jesus' name. I know you want your people confident. I know you want your Christians to be confident tonight. So help, help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let everything just be right. Praise God. Let The word of the Lord is right. It converts the soul. It's right altogether. The counsels of God are perfect in every dimension. Thank you, Lord, for your help tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Maybe the low end's a little boomy. But anyway, uh, you should know this familiar passage of Scripture. Can you read it with me? And then I have it in New King James Version. Read it with me real loud. Ready? Read. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> Tonight's message is entitled, How's Your Confidence Level? I believe Christians should be the most confident people on earth. And if you look through the hall of faith, I don't see people that were confused. I don't see people that were shy. I don't see people that were insecure. I saw people in the hall of faith, uh, uh, Hebrews 11, that were full of confidence. And of course, pastor has been ministering along the line of faith and I felt inspired tonight to talk about confidence a little bit. Just coming, coming up the mountain, just a slightly different side. Let's look at Philippians 4.13 in, uh, in the Amplified Version. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. You know, we should not face life in our own strength. I want to point out to you in the scripture that it says that, yes, you as a Christian can have strength for all things, but it is in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. It is Christ who empowers you to do all things. It is Christ who enables you to be ready for anything. It is Christ and Christ's power in you, His life flowing through you, that makes you equal to anything, that infuses inner strength into you and makes you sufficient. Um, I, I'd like to look at tonight at uh, uh, an example of confidence, and we can readily... Uh, relate to this because we've seen this in the arena of sports. You've seen sports figures that have had phenomenal outings like they are rookies and they hit the field and it's amazing what they've done. Uh, does the, the name Tim Lincecum ring a bell to anybody? Any Giants fans in the house? There's a couple smiles. I mean, when he, when he came on, he took the baseball world by storm. Let's look at some of Tim Lincecum's numbers. Lincecum won the National League Cy Young Award in 2008-2009. He appeared the all four all four All-Star Games from 2008 to 2011. He was a member of the 2010 and 2012 World Series champions. You know the Giants were champions, right? Winning the Babe Ruth Award 2010, etc., etc., etc. There's a lot of etc.s here. He led the National League in strikeouts three times from 2008 uh, through 2010. That's amazing, leading the league in strikeouts. And, in, and just this was this year in July... 13, 2013, he pitched a no-hitter against the San Diego Padres at Petco Park. How many of you heard that game or watched that game? I missed that game, but I know how to read. <laughs> that is an amazing feat, friends. And here's a thought. When that gentleman takes the, takes the pitcher's mound, he knows exactly... When you say that a person is a, pitched a, a no-hitter 
and, and, and it's three up, three down for the majority of the innings. That means that he is delivering with surgical precision every pitch. He has absolute control of the speed, of the break of the ball. And I know some of you may not be baseball aficionados, but sorry, just hang with me just a little bit. But there's, there's something when he takes that, when he takes that mound, he has absolute confidence in where he's placing that ball. He knows that this particular hitter can hit high and outside or deep and inside and he puts it right there and that's what makes a pitcher great. And when he takes the, when he takes the plate, he takes the plate with confidence. Amen? And, and it's like, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch a human being with confidence. It really is to take the plate and just say, one, two, three up, three down, three up, three down. He's just blowing it right by everybody. Now, this is the best hitter in the National League. Woo, just blowing it right by me, blows it right by me. But how many know every once in a while, uh, even the best of athletes hit a slump sometimes? Even the best of hitters, like, they can't seem to hit the ball. Even the home run kings. And sometimes they even say it this time, sometimes that gets across on the entire team. And you see, you hear this on, on the broadcast sometimes, the bats were quiet tonight. <laughs> Where are the bats? Where have all the bats gone? What happened to all our home run kings? Oh, and, you know, on the inside, there's an expectation when your favorite player is going to come up and take the plate and goes, all right, this guy's sure going to slam it. And then one, two, three, boom, he just struck out. And it's just like, it's so disappointing. Isn't that right? And so we all wish that they would get out of a slump. Is that right? And, it, and it's always nice to watch a ball game when, when your players are playing at their, the top of their game. Is that right? Yeah. But you know, it's even a better thing when Christians are playing at the top of their game. It's even better when you have Christians that are not always on the skids and they, they come up to the plate and they're always striking out. What's up with that? God doesn't want you to be striking out. He wants you at the top of your game. And so, uh, what's interesting is, whenever someone, I mean, I don't know if you watched this, but there was, a, there was a season there in the 2010, anyway, championship, I believe it was, where Barry Zito, the highest played giant, wasn't even in the roster. How many of you remember that? I don't know how many millions he was being paid, but he had lost his confidence. Somebody started messing with him to change the way that he pitches. Don't worry, we'll get, we're, we're getting somewhere with this. And he just couldn't, people were just slapping him silly. He just couldn't, either couldn't get the ball across past people and, and, and they just kept pulling out till they finally said, just sit down. Well, there's a lot of Christians right now that are sitting down, but God doesn't want us sitting down. God doesn't want you sitting down. He wants you to take life on by the horns. Praise God, confident in what you do. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Where's your confidence? How's your confidence level? Let me talk to you about something about confidence in God. Our confidence, of course, is in the Lord. And Psalm 71.5 in the Amplified Bible, David had put it this way. You are my hope, O Lord. You are my trust. And from my youth... The source of my confidence. You could tell when somebody's confident. You could tell when someone's scared. I mean, when I went to get myself operated, I had, I, when we were newly married, I had to have my wisdom teeth out. And we went to University of Pacific, you know, and the Dr. Solomon was his name. I didn't realize this, but he was the top student in the class. 
And he was doing oral surgery, all four wisdom teeth out at one time. They were all impacted. And he was, I mean, I couldn't see anything. Good thing I'd have passed out. But, he, you know, I was just lying down. And I'm watching all the other students watch. And he's just very intense. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's digging it all around in the bone. Don't pass out on me. I won't. I won't if you won't. You know me. I don't like talking about stuff like this. But he was confident when he's digging around in there. He's getting drills, child sizzled. The only thing he didn't bring is a backhoe. And all I could tell is other students, they're just like going, they're looking like this and they're going, oh, I guess blood was flying everywhere and bone was going everywhere because he had to really dig because the, 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 the things were impacted. But how do you know? The man had confidence. They told us after the fact that he was the best, he was the top of the class. God gave me the top of the class. Hallelujah. But you know, you could sense confidence, can't you? You could sense it. Confidence can be sensed the same way that insecurity can be sensed. Come on, somebody. And when, when you're when you're facing the, the situations of life, and especially when you're facing the devil, you cannot go up there letting him smell insecurity on you. You've got to be confident. Amen. Let me tell you something about insecure. There's far too many insecure Christians. A person that's not, that is insecure is a person that is uncertain. Huh? A person that is uh, unstable, shaky. How about that? Deficient in assurance. Uh, in assurance, beset by fear and anxiety. That's not us. That's not, you don't find people like that in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. When Pastor Mark's preaching here about all these patriarchs, none of them had these characteristics. No, not a one. On the other hand, they had confidence. Listen to this. A feeling or a conscience, conscience of one's power or of reliance in one's circumstances. Now, now, I know that seems a bit humanistic, but let me tell you what Luke 10, 19 says. A confidence in the power that's been given you. Jesus said this in Luke 10, 19. You could put it up there. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So you should be able with confidence take authority over the devil. You should with confidence trample on, on serpents and scorpions. He wouldn't have given us that kind of power unless you needed it. And believe me, we need it in, in our day, in, in, in our life. Look at what it says, confident in the circumstances. What kind of circumstances are we in, Pastor Tom? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. They could put it up for you. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read through that. Is that all right? You've been raised up and you've been seated with Christ, friend. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In case you didn't realize this, Jesus sits on a throne. And if you have been invited to come up and sit where he sits, that means you're being seated in a place of authority. It's not just that you sat down in some chair. Not all chairs are created equal. Hello. He sits in the ultimate seat of authority when he sits in that chair and he brought you and me with him. Hallelujah. That's where you're seated. That's your circumstance. That's, that's from where you deal in life. I know in a previous uh, couple of messages, we talked about uh, no hoof left behind. And we talked about who you are. Remember that? And then there's, there's, uh, there's uh, what you have was the second thing. Is, and there are several things that you have. But now this is almost along the line of what you can do. When you're seated in that place, there's certain things you can do. 
Hallelujah. You're raised up. You're, you've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look what it says in Romans 5.17. These are familiar verses of Scripture. For by one man's offense, death reigned through one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will do what? They're going to reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. So you were made to reign in life. That's your situation. Like that little baby was born, okay, it was a he, okay? <laughs> the little, the prince, I forget. Prince, prince George, thank you. Prince George, uh, uh, born to Duchess Kate Middleton, all that. Okay, but that was his situation. Well, hello, you've been born into this. That's your situation. That should breed confidence in you. Hello. And then let's look at some other things about uh, uh, confidence. Another description of it is faith or belief that one will act in a right, proper, or effective way. We have so many Christians that they're not sure if they're going to do the right thing. Hey, relax. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to pray. God's at work in you all the while, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's at work in you. It's the Holy Ghost. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. If you're abiding in the Word, no sweat, you're going to do the right thing. And guess what? It's going to be effective. You know, a lot of people, when they, when they do uh, take on a job or they take on a contract, they get nervous. I think Christians shouldn't be nervous. I think Christians should have confidence and belief that it's going to be all right, that they're going to act in the right way, that they're going to carry out a, a project all the way to completion, and it'll be better than the world because you're anointed to do things. You have an anointing on the inside of you, and you're anointed to do this life at a level the world is not familiar. That's right. Hey, the three Hebrew children, they were, they were, what, ten times smarter than all the most intelligent people in the kingdom of that time. Think about that. So you're anointed. You've got an anointing. And then, well, there's uh, certain other things. But uh, speaking of confidence, I want to I wanna just kind of look at a couple of things about confidence regarding the scripture. Um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, you could put it up there, about where, where does confidence come from, Pastor Tom? Well, it says here in Proverbs 14, 26, in the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, there is uh, mild confidence. No, strong confidence, and his children shall always have a place of refuge. Strong confidence always begins by worshiping God and being worshipful about God, respectful about the things of God, the laws of God, and the kingdom of God. That's where confidence begins. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, look at a little story, you know, a, a, in, in just a little bit. We're just about to get into this little story about David. But David was a man of tremendous, amazing confidence. And it was because he was a man that was a worshiper. He was into the fear of the Lord. Fear, don't get, let that, uh, the word fear uh, throw you off. That means worshipful uh, kind of reverence, you understand. And, and then uh, when we're talking about, please understand, when we're talking about confidence, we're not talking about confidence in the flesh. Okay, there's, there, I know that there could be some, some people that could be uh, really good, and many of you are, are, are very gifted at what, whatever it is that God's gift, gifted you in. That's wonderful. But we're not talking about natural gifting. When David went up against Goliath, do you really think that's the first time he ever picked up a slingshot? No. Help me. No, no. no. He, had, he was well-practiced. I'm sure that he was out there and he had, he was probably a master marksman. And yet, not, he did not go against the giant with his natural skill alone. He said something very interesting when he went up against the giant. And he said, I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. 
You catch this? So we've got to differentiate before we go any further. You've got to differentiate between relying on yourself or relying on God. And then I love the example Pastor Mark said. Like he said, if you're, if you're going to go and paint someone's house, Joe's comes to paint my house. I said, here's the paintbrush. Here's the, here, here's the, and, and he comes nine o'clock. He shows up in my house. How many heard that example? And it says, okay, Joe, great. Here's the drop cloth. Here's the brush. Here's the paint. You go out there and paint. Well, Joe's not helping me paint. I'm having him do the painting. If I do that, I'm sitting in there. Well, I wouldn't eat pecan pie, but I'm in here eating an omelet. No, actually, that's not how the kingdom is supposed to work. It says if, if he said the Holy Ghost is your helper, that means you have to apply yourself. And the appropriate model would be for Joe and I to go out there and be painting. Is that right? Yeah. Well, see, a lot of things, a lot of people think that if, if you're being confident in God and your trust is in God, that you're just going to sit down and do nothing. But that's not how it works. You're going to find out you still have to do your practice. I'm sure David did his practicing. But when the moment of truth comes, you yield that to God and your reverence is Him and you give Him all the glory. That's the difference. Can we just move ahead? Is that all right? Give God a shout of praise. God's good. I feel confidence level beginning to arise. But I want to read in the Amplified. Let's take it in the Amplified. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the Spirit of God and exult in glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ. Stop right there. Everything, if it's done correctly, if you're, if you're operating correctly with, with how God wants you to operate in life, it should always glorify Jesus. It should always give the glory to God. You know, if you won the Cy Young Award, give God the glory. I like what Tybo, Martibo, what's his name? He's always, Kim, Tim, Tim, always giving God the glory. Amen. Doing it, doing it as unto the Lord. That's how it should be. But notice this, uh, taking pride in Jesus Christ, exalting Jesus. And read the next phrase with me. And put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh. And on outward privileges and physical advantages and external appearances. I'm going to read that again because that's a mouthful. (laughs) We are Christians who are the true circumcision, who worship God in spirit and by the spirit of God and exult and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh and outward privileges and Physical advantages and external appearances. In other words, if, if you had to do war somewhere and you were not physically endowed with all the muscles, you have to believe God that you're able to go and run through a troop and leap over a wall even though you're a skinny guy. How do you think they marveled at Samson's strength? Well, if he, if he looked like Mr. Universe, they wouldn't have marveled at that, would they? So, of course, he could lift up and do all these incredible feats of strength. Look at, the, look at the dude's muscles. The guy's buff, right? He's ripped. Is that right? Yeah. But they couldn't figure out, how could this guy do this? How could, he, how could he rip doors off hinges? How could he slaughter so many people? How could he lift up these things, so heavy things? How could he do that? Because evidently, they were looking at his physical stature and it didn't add up. Is that right? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just speculating here. But why, why else would somebody marvel at why somebody that was all Mr. Buff can rip a door off a hinge? So what? He's buff. He's ripped. But this guy, not necessarily ripped. I mean, he could have looked like me. <laughs> now you know that had to be God. <laughs> but then it says we don't have confidence in what we are in the flesh. 
or outward privileges. David was just a little kid. He's a teenager. Is that right? And so, and physical advantages or disadvantages, I might put in there. External appearances, you know, and we're, we're being encouraged here not to put confidence in flesh. Whatever your confidence is, it's got to be in the Lord. Everybody said amen to that. Amen. Oh, boy. Let's look at Psalm 118, verse 8 through 9 in the King James Verse. It says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Amen. So a question for you today. Maybe a better question tonight is not how is your confidence, but where's your confidence? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that just a little bit. Where, where, I mean, where, where, where is it? I mean, is it, is it in your education? You know, is it, is it in your uh, 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 physical strength? You know, is it, is it in your physical stature? No, it should be in the Lord. All right, let's look at confidence in action. David and Goliath, love this story. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Are you ready to look at this little story? I love this as we go in the next several minutes as we look, we'll just kind of look at this. We see that um, David is at the right place at the right time. Just a little thought about David. A lot of times people that are grabbing for position and grabbing for notoriety, notoriety means bad. I mean, grabbing for publicity and that, they're always, look at me, look at me, look at me. But, you know, interesting, God exalted David, but he was never really pulling and pushing for any, for any kind of position. What is it that led David down to the battlefield in the first place? He was obeying his pops. His dad said, go down and take ten cheeses and take this to drink and take these, these figs. Is that right? Yes. So it was an act of obedience to his father that even got him in the vicinity. And here's a thought for you. If you're obe- obedient to God, obedience is huge with God. If you're obedient to God, you will be in the right place at the right time. And you can be confident. Yes. You can be confident that whatever comes to you, you can handle it. Because, you know, just just like it says, I can do all things. I'm equal to anything and everything that comes my way uh, through Christ Jesus. So there's David. All he's doing is taking care of his dad's business, doing orders. And he finds himself down there. Notice what he says in verse 26. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? So, for, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of God? David was more concerned with the armies of God and the reproach on Israel than he was his own reputation. Is that right? Can you see that? So, first of all, he went there through responsibility to obey his pops. Secondly, he heard this charge, uh, this, this threat, and he was more concerned with the armies of God and, and that sort of thing. And David said, what have I... And then, of course, his brothers chided him. This is verse 29. What, what have I done now? He, and he goes on to say, is there not a cause? So something's stirring on the inside of this young man. And he turned from him, that was from his brother, toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did now. Verse 31. When the words which David spoke were heard, they, were re- they reported them to Saul and they sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. You know, when a person's confident, you can hear it. 
Now, I just want I just want to show you how important confidence is. David was very confident. Think about this. Here's King Saul. There isn't a one warrior, the best warrior in all of Israel. There's not one that has any courage or any confidence to face this guy. And yet, just think about this for a minute. Some people, I think, say he was like 17 years old. Really? How old was he? About 17, somewhere in there? Think about this. Think about this. Your entire nation is hanging in the balance. And Saul doesn't even know who this kid is. Because at the end of the chapter, he goes, by the way, who is this kid? He said, who is this? But, but here he is in the presence of Saul. Think about this. His nation is in the balance. And Saul perceives that this kid has got something. What has he got? He's got this confidence. He's talking... He's not just talking hot air. There's a, can I say anointing and can I just say it that way? God is all over this kid. Evidently, he's got the anointed one all over him and in him. And he's got experience in having the anointing flow through his life. And you know what? When you've got the anointing flowing through your life and you're skilled at the anointing of God flowing through your life, people notice. They noticed with the disciples, they said, they took note that they had been with Jesus. These, hey, these boys are bold. There's something about these guys that's different. The anointing will set you apart. The anointing will help you be confident. It will make you bold. The Bible says in, in the book of, uh, of Proverbs, the wicked flee when no man pursues. But what? The righteous are as what? As bold as a lion. I'll tell you what happened. Suddenly, that little frame of that little 17-year-old kid was transcended in the presence of Saul to the boldness and the authority and the anointing that was on this kid. It was so strong that the king of Israel was was recognized and says, Okay, uh, I agree. You go and fight him then. Really? You are gambling the entire kingdom on a 17-year-old kid? You don't even know his name? You don't know where he came from? And yet you recognize the anointing on him. Just think about that. And it was confidence. Everybody say confidence. He said with confidence, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight. With this Philistine. Now let's look at the root of David's confidence. And it was his covenant with God. Verse 33. And Saul said to David. Now watch that. He, he begins to reason in the realm of reason. Saul. You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth. So he's looking at the outward. Right? You're a youth. And he is a man of war. Is that right? From his youth. But David said to Saul. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it. I I mean, God likes people that get after it. Come on, saints. God likes it when you get after it. You know, yeah, we're supposed to be loving, but love does not rejoice except when right and truth prevail. I mean, when you got when you got a brother or a sister that's being trying to be devoured by the devil, just put yourself in this little model right here. David, he went after it. And he struck it, it says, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Part of your kingly rights and part of your kingly responsibility is to intercede for people that can't help themselves. 
And I just love it. I love it when a Christian takes their authority and they beat up on the devil and they deliver a, a helpless uh, sheep or a helpless person and pull them out of the jaws of death. Come on, somebody. Can you just see this? This is a teenage, he's 17, telling of this account that happened in the past. Serious? Was he 13 when this happened? Think about this. Think about the courage on the inside of this man. Think about the confidence in God that he had. I mean, when's the last time you saw a 13, 14, or 15-year-old kid do what this guy is saying that he did? And when after, uh, went out after it, struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, really, when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Wow. We're talking about a lion. We're talking about a bear. I mean, see, you can't go by the outward appearance. Is that right? You can't go by David probably. I mean, I, I mean, he, he was just a youth. So let's say he weighed about 130 pounds. How much does a bear weigh? About a thousand pounds. Come on, somebody. Do the math. How about a lion? He says he caught him by the beard. Somebody might say, are you nuts? No, I'm not nuts. I'm a covenant man. And I'm confident in God. And I'm not going to give up my sheep for you. See, he was on commission with his father. So you got to catch this. I believe the anointing of God works stronger in our life when we're carrying out kingdom business, when we're on assignment. Notice it was his father's sheep that he was tending. When you're praying, oh, parents, when you're praying over your kids, when you're praying, team leaders, over the people in your department, get your hands off of those people, devil, in Jesus' name, I take authority over you. I loose you from your assignment against them. I render you absolutely ineffective against them. No weapon formed against them. Can you just see a lion going up on the inside? The righteous are as bold as a lion. Hallelujah. You know, the devil is smoking mirrors. He may look like he's nine feet tall. You know what nine feet tall looks like? Okay, the next time that you're behind a big rig, look up and see the little marker. It says how high that is. And when it says nine feet something, how high is it, Steve? You can help me out. Nine feet, six inches, something like that. I want you to look at that. The next time you're at a stoplight and you go like that and imagine a little kid that's about five foot seven going up against something like that that probably weighed about 400 to 500 pounds of solid muscle. <laughs> no confidence. Say it. In the flesh. Here's a thought. If you won't put any confidence in, the, in your flesh, but rather if your confidence will be in the Spirit of God, then you won't be spooked when the devil comes at you with his things in the flesh. Because all he can come at you is in the fleshly realm. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody shout, I'm getting excited tonight. So he took that, he cut it by the beard, he struck it and he killed it. And now notice this, David, as I mentioned earlier, David acted out of responsibility in his father's flock. Now, um, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 17 and going on. Uh, then Jesse said to him, oh, we already got that, that he went, why he went down. Let's look at the progression of, uh, let's look at the progression of, of confidence. 
and, and you're going to see the servant killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. You see, in God, you've got to, everybody's got to start somewhere. So as, as dramatic as a lion and as dramatic as a bear was, that wasn't the big kahuna. <laughs> the, big, the big kahuna was Goliath. But you, you had to start somewhere. And to you, this is what I'm going to tell you right now. You've got to start where you are. Brother, start fighting the good fight of faith right where you are. You don't start by trying to hit Goliath. You don't start by saying, really, really slugging it out. I'm going to pay my, I am going to so pay off my, the, the loan on this house or the mortgage. But you still have a, you have a credit card with $300 on it and you can't even pay that off. Start with the smaller thing. Let's get this rolling, man. Let's get this rolling. Start speaking the word. Start sowing seeds. Hello. Don't wait till there's cancer before you start exercising your faith. Somebody help me. At the moment there's a sniffle, at the onset of a little pain, the, the moment you get something, you just immediately exercise your faith and you need to get a win under the belt. See, David was used to getting a win. How do you think Tim Lincecum started getting confident? He got out on the plate like, whew, I guess I can throw pretty good, okay? Then he gets out where the big boys are. You're in the big leagues now, people. I said, you're in the big leagues. Yeah, you are. And when he got out there, they scouted him. I got news for you. You've been scouted. And you've got a contract. God made a covenant with you. Hallelujah. And you're getting paid a whole lot more than Tim Lincecum. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on now. And so he started, when this, when this man starts throwing that ball, he starts reeling. I, I, I guess I'm pretty fast. And, and he, he started as a little boy. Is that right? And he went and played high school. That's how it works. And then the scouts see him. And then they, they see, this kid's got something. And they, I got news for you, Christian. You've got something. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got something. You've got something. You know you've got something. Now, the devil's always trying to talk you out of it. But we're not going to listen to him. Is that right? So there's a progression to these battles. Now, notice what David said in verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Come on now. I also want you to notice that he identified who the Philistine was. In verse, I can't remember what verse it was, but he called him this uncircumcised Philistine. If you're a covenant man, you understand that when this, when people that are not of God and serving alien gods and they're uncircumcised and they defy the armies of the living God, that is a serious slap in the face. And I don't know, this just seems to me like David wasn't the kind of guy that was going to back down from a fight. I mean, he's not looking for one, but if there was one that was coming, I love that booger red thing Pastor Brenda preached on. Oh, Booger Red must have rose up. You said, boy, you said, what? (laughs) You said, what about God? You said, what about the armies of God? And I'm going to tell you something. Saul recognized this and he said something significant. He said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, this is really interesting. He's commissioning this 17-year-old kid to go and fight and he says and the Lord be with you but there's something you got to understand when God is with you that's huge I said that's huge I want to read something in Chronicles we're going to go ahead and say it 
in, uh, well, let's see, in the God's Word translation. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened or terrified by the king of Assyria or the crowd with him. Someone greater is on our side. The king of Assyria has, everybody say, human power. So what does he have? Human power on his side. But the Lord is on our side to help us and fight our battles. So the people were encouraged by King Hezekiah. Let me tell you something. They have human power. But we've got supernatural power. And back to this thing about help. God's going to help us in the battle. Christian, you need to get out there and you need to fight the good fight of faith. Please do your own praying. Please do your confessing. Please do your taking of authority. Is that right? So they were still going to hit the battlefield. I like the way they said that, that they, with him is only the arm of flesh. Look, or, or, or as human power, it says in the NIV version, it says with him is only the arm of the flesh. But then he goes on to say, but with us is the Lord our God to help us to fight our battles. Friend, God is helping you to fight your battles. You may have a health battle. You may have a financial battle. You may have a relational battle. You may have a business battle. You may have a legal battle. Everybody's fighting something. Or everybody should be fighting something. Because we've got to be fighting for something. Because we know the devil's a thief. And I know that I'm not the only one that he's been after. Hello. I know I'm not that important. So you guys, I know he's after something of yours. And you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But back to Samuel, uh, something very interesting. Uh, one of the things that people feel insecure about is that uh, the enemy tries to make them ins- feel or think that they don't have enough. You don't have what it takes. You, there's something missing. And, and basically, Saul, great example here, Saul tried to put his armor on David. Now, now let me, son, son, you go out and fight. Great, great, great. You go fight. But son, let me help you now. Let me uh, go ahead and take my personal kingly armor. And you know, it was the bronze helmet on his head. He clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor. And then it goes on to say in the King, New King James Version, and he tried to walk. Uh, you know, but he couldn't. And, and then David said, I can't, I can't even walk in these things, <laughs> for I have not tasted them. So David took them off. Friends, you've got you to gotta go with what you know works for you. I said, you've got to go with what works for you. You know God's giving you things. He's giving you abilities. He's giving you insights. He's giving you gifts. So basically, this was David's choice. He kept confidence with what God has given him, a staff, a stick, and a, and a sling. That's what he was practiced in. Hello, somebody help us out a little bit. Okay, I don't know what it is that you have. You, you might just have a bicycle and a chair. But let me tell you something, that works pretty good for Dr. Cho. A, a chair and a bicycle is pretty good for Dr. Cho. Uh, you may, it, for you, it may be you could sew and you could bake. For some of you, you could crunch numbers really well. I don't know what for some of you. I don't know what it is that God's giving you, but He's giving you and say, "I've got it." I got it. And don't try to run out and and solve everything and and fight the battles of life with something that's somebody else's. This kid took a rock and a couple of pieces of leather and a stick, and he went up against this guy. But the difference was he was practiced on it. Hello. He was skilled at it. 
This is where it comes in honing in your skills, practicing what God has given you. If you're good with numbers, come on, hone it in. Get training. If you're good with software, hone it in. If you're good with, uh, if you're good with uh, people relations, hone it in. Get skills. Got real quiet. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with honing in skills and improving. I mean, let's look at this. Uh, it says, uh, Paul told Timothy, he says, give yourself to it. Invest in it, he says, so that your profiting may appear to all. So if you're, if you think I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to be in, t- in acting. That's what I'm doing. Well, you should be doing something along that line. If you really feel that's what, that's where you should be. You should be doing things along that line. Uh, amen. Somebody. Apply yourself. So anyway, let's look real quickly right here. He says, so he had to take off Saul's armor. And then in verse 40, he took his staff in his hand, chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So I have a little statement that I'll read to you. This one's in there for free. Dance with the one that brung you. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, they, get, they, they do so well in life. You know, they, they go to a certain church, they, they get a, a certain teaching, or they have certain friends around them, and it was your mom and your pops and other things, and they bring you to a certain place in life, and then all of a sudden you think you're getting promoted and do something else, and then you're just going to throw away everybody. Oh, well, I have, I have a new thing now. This is a new... Friends, understand that the, who you are is a lot of what was under you, the people that built you. <laughs> And a lot of people say, well, we're, we're way out beyond, you know, uh, this, uh, this faith teaching or way, we're way out. Beyond. Friends, you're never going to get out way out beyond that. You need to fight the good fight of faith. I'm not saying that you won't end up in other places in life, but I'm just saying you better dance with the one that brung you. First Samuel chapter 17, 47, 5 to 47. We're fixing to close. And it goes on here, says that, that when the Philistine looked at David, he disdained him. Of course, he, he was saying, what am I, a dog, that you should come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods and everything. You know, when you're a confident person, you have to learn to not let things get into you. You have got to learn. We can't go by what other people say. I mean... If Tobias and the other San Ballot, they're going up to, to Nehemiah. Nehemiah's working on something for God. And they're making fun of the work and saying, what are you guys doing? It's so feeble up there. You guys don't know what you're doing. Uh, just a, yeah, any little critter will go up there and the wall will fall down. Ha ha. And making fun of them and stuff, trying to distract them. You're on business for God. You have to learn how we have to let's grow up a little bit. What do you say? Let's just when somebody says something bad about us or, or, or criticizes, let's not fall apart and let's not buy that. Let's do what pastor said. Just change the channel. <laughs> Go back to your covenant. Believe and be confident in what God has given you and the assignment and the anointing he's put on your life. Somebody said, Amen. amen. So then it goes on to say that in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come at you with all the skill that I have because I killed a lion of bear. Is that what he said? Because I'm a real marksman. Is that what he said? No. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Is it important in what name you go to that, to that job interview? 
Is it important? You better believe it's important. I'm not saying you're going to go to your boss and say, I come to this interview in the name of the Lord. You don't do that. But what I'm saying is, as you're approaching the parking lot, when the, the, the enemy's trying to make you nervous, you say, no, 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 I'm coming to this job interview in the name of Jesus, and I'm a king's kid, and I'm the head and not the tail, and I operate in wisdom, and I've got favor that Amen. surrounds me running about. Amen. The favor of God opens doors that no man can shut. And you walk in there expecting favor. Yes. Hallelujah. That'll work for a lot of us. Favor doesn't run out, you know. There's lots of favor. You know, if, if you've got favor once, you can exercise again and get favor again. Hallelujah. God's good. So anyway, I come at you in the name of the Lord uh, of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you've defied. And this day, now he begins to prophesy. I like what Pastor Brennan said last Sunday. Never, never approach your dies and gi- fight your giants with your mouth shut. Always approach your giants with your mouth open. Wake up and prophesy and declare what's going to happen. You declare the end from the beginning. <laughs> I like what uh, Chip Brim says. You talk trash. <laughs> I'm taking you out in Jesus' name. I'm taking you out in Jesus' I mean, It would do you good, some of you, to pile up your bills and talk trash to your bills. I'm going to cut you down. You are paid in full in Jesus' name. It would do you good to talk trash to your bills. I don't know. I'm just saying. I will strike you down and take your head from you. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. And this day I will give you to the carcasses, to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And the, that the earth, why? Because I'm so important and so gifted so I could end up on the Tonight Show. No, 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 no. So that, the, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Friends, do you think God wants you confident? Absolutely. Why do you think God wants you confident? Because the confident person, there wasn't one soul that was confident in the entire army, but this kid was confident. And because of this one kid's confidence, the entire earth can know that there is a living God in Israel. Think about that. So by you being confident in your arena and operating in the power of God and in the boldness and in the faith of God, then everybody on the job can know that there really is a God. Think about that. This is is so much more than you're trying to get a promotion or get a raise. Oh, Lord, thank you for helping us to be witnesses in the earth today. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not say... Now, notice this. I love verse 47. Read this with me. Then... All this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. Wow, that's covenant talk. I love that. How many of you like that besides me? Am I the only guy in the house? Confidence runs toward the challenger. And also, confidence may use unconventional weapons. (laughs) You know what? Verse 48, so it was when the Philistines rose and, Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then he put his hand in his bag. You know the story. He took out the stone, slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead and fell on his face. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Thank God for that. And struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was, I want you to catch this phrase though. But there was no sword in the hand. Say that. There was no sword in the hand of David. Do you know where the sword was? Where was it? It was in his mouth. No, the sword was not in his hand. The sword was in his mouth. 
Woo! Friends, you've got the sword of the Spirit. It's time that you rose up with confidence. I just wonder how much better your life would be if you'd get up and and, and every occasion you'd whip out that sword and child, the, the devil's challenging. You just speak the word like pastor's been encouraging to you. I just wonder how much better life would free, be for you if you did that. Hallelujah. See... Does that mean that nobody should ever use a sword in their hand? I'm not saying that. But in this case, a clear example that we were not to rely on the arm of the flesh. This is such a beautiful story about a kid that had confidence in God and who was confident that he had been able to strike out the bear, strike out the lion, and I'm a strike out this guy's going to be lights out. And by all means, follow David's example and he, there was no sword in his hand. And it and goes on to say in, in verse 17, chapter 17, 15 through 51, and that, that, that he finished the job. He took the sword and he chopped off the head. But there's something really kind of fun about this that I want to share with you. And that is in verse 52. Now, this is, uh, did you all see that? Yeah, she's right with me. You're doing awesome up there. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted. Okay, now they did. <laughs> now they did. But that's okay. Everybody say that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. Because now they arose and shouted. And what did they do? They pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road of Sheraim and even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of it, who did it? The children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they, pers- they plundered their tents. And there's a, little, there's a little quotation here that I'm going to pick up from Vince Lombardi. He said, confidence is contagious. Can you see how everybody now in the kingdom got confident because some kid was confident? (laughs) I love it. That's why I like to come to church. I like to hear testimonies. If if you've been being beat up by life, come to church. Here's some good news. Find out how God has been working in people's lives. People that have been confident in God and how he's delivered them, how he's obliterated the enemy, reversed decisions. Hello. Praise God. Give him some praise, somebody. And as I said earlier, you know, faith and confidence in God will get you noticed. Uh, Verse 55, when Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner and the commander, whose son is this? (laughs) Who is this kid? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't even know. I don't know who this, you tell me, I have no idea. Who is this kid? Who is he? And then it goes in verse 57. And David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand, by the way. <laughs> Woo! Somebody say, Woohoo! Woohoo! And then, and then Saul said to him, Who are you? <laughs> Whose son are you? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is amazing. I mean, you got to realize a guy that's, that's nine feet, six inches, something like this, that head must have been that big and must have weighed pretty uh, Must have been like this. And he's dragging his head in like this. He's dragging it like this. And then and Saul's just kind of baffled, like, who are you? Whose kid are you anyway? Friend, God wants you confident. He wants you confident. He wants you confident in knowing that 
he that hath begun a good work in you will perfect it till the day of Christ. So we really shouldn't be nervous about anything. That God's at work in you. In Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Amen. God wants you confident when you come to worship Him. You know, condemnation is a confidence killer. And I'll just say this really, a few really brief moments here. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the Spirit of law, law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. Uh, I want you to know, who's the accuser of the brethren? The enemy. He, he is, he's going before God day and night, accusing the brethren. Romans 12.10 says that. He's the accuser of the brethren, bringing accusation against you. But I've got good news for you. Zechariah chapter 3, 1 through 5 talks about how the high priest was standing by, you know, the Lord and the angel, the angel Lord. And Satan was standing at his right hand to be his adversary to accuse him. And I know that he's trying to accuse you. He tries to accuse me. Hello, somebody. But you know, we can have confidence in God because God's attitude is the same toward us as it was toward Joshua the high priest. He said, take away the filthy garments that was standing. And then he says in verse 4, take away the filthy garments. He says, behold, I've caused your iniquity to pass before you. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. I clothe you with rich apparel. Sounds like the prodigal son, doesn't it? And I, Zechariah, put on the clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and so forth. And the angel Lord stood by. Friends, God is in the business of having you succeed and be confident in ruling and reigning in life. Hallelujah. He wants your prayer life to be rock solid. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. Your prayer life has to be strong. It's got to be like a strikeout every time. You've got to strike people out when you pray according to His will. Yeah, but what if, what if I'm not confident in verse 21 of 1 John chapter 3? Beloved, if our conscience, verse 21, 1 John, if our conscience, our hearts... Do not accuse us, and if they do not make us feel guilty, we have confidence and complete assurance and boldness before God. But you know what? If, you're, if, you're, if your soul is accusing you, God is greater than your conscience. And you're trying to see that He wants you to walk in confidence. I, somebody say, thank God for the blood of Jesus. You are to be in complete confidence with who you are in Christ and what He will do through you and what He wants to do through you. Confidence to step into the holiest of holies to fellowship with God. Confidence when you pray and make petition. Confidence when you exercise authority and cast out devils. Speak to mountains. Cast out diseases. Bind and loose things. Lay hands on sick. Confidence when you talk. Confidence when you teach. Praise God. Confidence when you, sh- when you sow your seed. Knowing that God's watching this seed, it's precious seed. I am, I am convinced of this, friends, that the people at Heart of the Bay Christian Center are people that know their God and do exploits for God. Amen. Stand up on your feet, somebody. Let's shout. Hallelujah. Come on and shout. I got just one thing, one thing to say. We are to be confident that we have strength for all things in Christ who empowers us. And that we, as a body, are ready and equal to anything through Christ who infuses inner strength into us. We are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you did in Christ Jesus. Jesus, it is amazing. It is, you're amazing. We thank you for the grace of God that is amazing. You are amazing. And you empower us to be 
uh, Christians that live amazing lives, extraordinary, not limited by our physical stature, not limited by what we see, but praise God, weapons of our warfare which are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I pray for those parents. I pray for that single person. I pray for that young person, that older person. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that they will be patient and have confidence with the process in Jesus' name. That they will go out and slay their giants in Jesus' name. Thank you that you've lifted us up, raised us up to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and that you've given us the victory in every area of life. Every area of life. Every area of life in the name of Jesus. We worship you and praise you for it, Lord God. We've got authority over diseases. We've got authority over lack. We've got authority over demons of strife. Father, I thank you that marriages that are experiencing strife right now, we've got authority over strife in Jesus' name. We bind those spirits in Jesus' mighty name and we loose the love of God and understanding to come forth. Hallelujah. We're always at the right place at the right time. We've got understanding in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give God a shout and please be seated.